I think if when I was 22 years old and entering the seminary, if I had known everything that was going to face me as a priest, all the ways that I had to grow, I think I would have run away screaming. Uh, because it has not been like the easiest 20 years or so. Um, There's a lot that our Lord demands of us. I mean, I remember I did not enter seminary at 18 because get this, they have to get up at 6.30 in the morning. I mean, my goodness, right? Now, sleeping until 6.30 feels like sleeping until noon. But as an 18-year-old, it was like, whoa, hold your horses there, chief. I don't think I'm ready for that. And it was just, you know, so much and just seemed like this incredible amount of just all this growth you'd have to do. And I'll tell you, I'm sure those of you who are married, have children, you can kind of feel the same way. Like if I knew then what I know now, all the things I'm going to have to face, all the different things, of ways I'm going to have to grow, you know, there'd be a little bit of fear and trepidation. I mean, it's as we go through life, we're asked to grow in a lot of ways. But as our Lord shows us in the beautiful, you know, second Sunday in a row from the, from the 13th chapter of the Gospel of Matthew, where we get these beautiful parables, we get to see the way that our Lord is so patient in the way that he works with us, the way that he's patient in the way that his will is gradually unfolded throughout the, throughout the world and God willing in our own lives too. I'll just say, I mean, when you look at the way that today's gospel is even structured, it's incredible to think like the way that Jesus is wanting to get into all of our lives. You remember last week uh, when we began chapter 13 on Sunday, Jesus left from the house. So he was in the house, you know, with his family and his friends, like in that inner circle, leaves to go out to speak to the crowds. And there's so many, of course, that he gets onto a boat on the sea and is casting out that sea, teaching them all, right? Today, it begins the same way. Jesus proposed another parable to the crowds. So we get the first one about the weeds and the wheat, and then another parable to the crowds about the mustard seed, and then another one about the woman who took yeast and mixed it with three measures of flour. And then St. Matthew even gives us the reference to the Old Testament about what the prophet had said about God teaching in parables, right? Throwing out that seed. And he's still talking to the crowds, talking to them in parables. It's like, okay, if I can just get this little nugget of wisdom, this little seed through the crack in their heart, hopefully it's going to get there. It's going to take some roots. It's going to grow. But notice, where does he go next? Then dismissing the crowd. So all these people that are there, you know, it's like this great big crowd in front of him. He dismisses the crowds. He went into the house. He goes back inside. He goes back in with his disciples and approach him and ask him to explain things further. As we discussed last week, like hopefully all of us who find us ourselves here, hopefully the lion's share of us here are more like that third type of soil, right? Because we have this, the seed that falls on the path that the devil comes and snatches it away. We are here. If it was snatched away, you wouldn't be here right now. The second one was the rocky ground, right? Uh, when the sun scorched it, it withered away because it didn't have any roots. I've seen most of you here many times. There's got to be some roots. But we all find ourselves in that place of needing cultivation, of having to work through those thorns of anxiety and the lure of earthly riches. we got to keep working at things all of the time. And notice, the disciples approach. They want Jesus to explain things to them, 
and he does. It's not just the parables to the crowds. They're now inside. They're at home. They're talking to him about what he means by all of that. And I would say as we look at this parable and think about how it relates to us, we need to do the same thing. I mean, obviously right now we're also in a big crowd, right? But I would just encourage you to invite Jesus into your home, into your heart, to have the conversation with him about what this parable means for you too. Because obviously as we look at this, you know, the the field is the world. And we all know that there's evil out there, right? We know that the devil is casting his seed. You can see it all around you. And we can start from the biggest levels of the whole world and the evils that are there. The evils that are there in our nation. The evils that are around us in our community. Even, and it's sad to say, the evils that are in our church. We know that those things happen. We know that the devil gets in there. And notice when he does it. When everyone was asleep, right? That's not like, oh, it's a good thing. You got to get your seven hours or it's going to be tough. No, like they're, they're laying down on the job. It's like Adam in the garden. He's supposed to be protecting things. It's like, don't let the darn serpent talk to Eve. What are you thinking? Like crush his head and get him out of here. No, it's like, oh yeah, you're right. Maybe God doesn't want us to be happy. Like, no, don't do that. Get rid of him. They're asleep. The devil sneaks in. He's casting his seed. You know, the same sort of things can be happening all around us all the time. Our Lord is showing us that here. But you got to remember, too, when it comes to that field of the world, I think it's far too easy to immediately assume for all of us, like, oh, of course, I'm the wheat, right? Well, the fact of the matter is, when it comes to the field that is our hearts, the devil is still hard at work, right? And he's good at convincing us that God doesn't really want us to be happy. That he wants to get in there, especially when we're asleep, right? St. Peter warns us in his first letter in the, in the fifth chapter, be sober and alert. Your, your uh, nemesis, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He's after us. He doesn't want us to be with our Lord. And the thing is, he gets in there in those sly ways. And when we think like, oh, it couldn't happen to me, think of the example of the rich young man who comes to Jesus. What do I have to do to inherit eternal life? Goes through all the commandments, but then it gets to, so what you have him follow me? He goes away sad, right? He won't follow Jesus. Think about Judas. He's with Jesus for the three years. He sees all these awesome things. Doesn't choose him in the end. The fact of the matter is, like, we have to be on our own guard and looking at our own consciences. What's going on with the field that is my own heart? What am I letting grow that I ought not let grow? But the beautiful thing here too, and like I was saying at the beginning, if I had known everything I was going to have to do when I first started seminary, I don't think I could have done it, you know? Like, I mean, there was just so much that was coming. Parents, like, you have to get up in the middle of the night, change diapers. That's no fun, right? It's not like, man, as a 16-year-old, I can't wait to do that, you know? But eventually the virtues develop. You get to that point, you're able to do these things more. Not that my life is all about changing diapers, but I do have to deal with some pretty gross stuff. But anyway, continuing on. Like, looking back at seminary, I remember when I first entered, so 22 years old, I'll be honest with you, I had a particular liking of a type of music, right? You can call it alternative, you can call it grunge, we used to jokingly call it in college, I hate my parents' music, right? I listened to this stuff all of the time, right? I mean, literally, one of the bands was called Rage Against the Machine, you know? Like, it's like really intense stuff, and I'm listening to it all the time. And I remember entering seminary at 22. If they had said to me on day one, John, no more of this music, 
I don't know if I could have done it, right? Like, I don't think I was ready to just be like, okay, here you go. I'm just going to hand it all over. But as seminary continued on, little by little, year after year, maybe the first year I couldn't quite do it, but I was listening a little less. After the second year, less still. Now, here we are. In the way I couldn't have imagined giving up that music when I first started seminary, at this point in my life, I can't really imagine listening to it at all anymore. You know, it's just funny how God has a way of working in which he is patient with us. Notice, too, that as the sower here, right, his, his slaves come to him, Master, didn't you sow good seed? What's going on? He doesn't sound surprised. An enemy has done this. And they say to him, do you want us to go and pull up the weeds? No. Let them grow together. Like, he's already aware that the devil is prowling, right? He knows what's going on out there in the world. It's like the old song says, he's got the whole world in his hand, right? He doesn't get all worked up and upset. He knows that all of us don't come to him perfectly purified already, right? He's not saying like, okay, you're not purified already. Get out of here until you already are. No, he knows that he has to work with us. I mean, we heard in that in the Book of Wisdom, He has patience that's geared towards our repentance, toward our growth, and he he watches over this. The important thing I would say, especially looking at the way that Matthew gives us the parables today, as he spreads it out, notice, he gives us the first parable, the second, the third, the prophecy from from, uh, the Old Testament, and then moves into the explanation. It's not like, here's the parable, here's the explanation. The parable itself has time to grow just like you and I do. He has patience as things gradually sink in, as they come about. He works with us little by little, coming along all the time. He's patient. I love that old saying that God is is easy to please, but very hard to satisfy, right? It's just like you as a parent. You're so happy when your child takes their first step, but it's not like, okay, we're done. Good job. You've completely matured to the total level of your being. You took a step. No, you love it when they take a step, but you want them to eventually walk and then run and then learn how to drive and then drive a boat. I know the analogy breaks down, but like you want them to keep growing. And here's the beautiful thing. He wants us to keep growing too. And so what I would say is look at the way that this gospel unfolds today from the parable, from the casting out of the seeds. Where is he wanting you to look into your life? Where are some of those weeds that are popping up that need some addressing? Go home and invite him into your home, into the home of your heart, to let him say gently, this is what I want to take away. And remember, he knows how to be gentle. He knows how to not just pull up those weeds and pull out the wheat as well. He's like a master surgeon who doesn't just like see the tumor. I'm going to go in there and grab it and pull out the heart as well. No. He knows how to go about this. But the important thing is that we invite him into our home, that we invite him into our hearts, that we trust him knowing that he has the whole world in his hand. And yes, I know there's a lot of weeds out there. We can be really focused on where they all are all over the place. But ultimately, we got to take care of what's going on in our home, what we have control over. What are the weeds that I need to be working on? And remembering this fact, he's ready and patient to be working with you. I know it's hard to ask him. I know that prayer is not always the easiest thing. Just in closing today, we have those beautiful words from St. Paul. We don't know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes with inexpressible groanings. Invite him in. 
Talk to him all the time. Ask him to see what it is that he's asking you to grow in. Remember that he's patient. And his patience is ultimately geared toward our shining forever in the kingdom of our heavenly father. Praise be Jesus Christ.